Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Mav Podcast with Jason and John. So, John, today we have quite a bit to talk about. We're going to start with the Union series. Uh, yeah, very entertaining series out there in Schenectady, New York. Um, exciting to see the Mavs play their first regular season games. Might not have been the outcome that Mav fans were looking for, but entertaining nonetheless. What were some of your initial thoughts? I, I thought they played well. I think, you know, for games that, that finally started mattering, you know, obviously when we look at Manitoba and that with the exhibition game, uh, there's more room. Uh, but now you're playing teams that are, are your caliber. And so it, it is it's nice to see the first games of the season get in the books and, and learn something. But it, it's hard to plan a whole season off of two games, one team. Uh, definitely so. Uh, it was kind of exciting to get to see Dean Stewart get his first goal as a Maverick. Yeah, uh, that goal was on the transition and the transition from defense to offense looked great. I know you're you rolling your eyes. I know me. And I know the transition if only, game. Yeah, if me. only the radio could show my eye roll. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the radio announcers were totally with me. Uh, yeah, you had them on your side, which <laughs> I wouldn't call an accolade. Well, it is the ECAC. Maybe they don't see uh, that. <laughs> maybe they don't see that much great transition. Uh, transition uh hockey uh going on in the yeah in the league out there but uh certainly the transition uh on the dean stewart goal was uh a beautiful setup and uh a beautiful play where he was was he trailing uh was it spinner on that play I'm trying to remember or was it jordan i think it was jordan actually i think it was jordan Jordan had a really good couple games you know he was he was there on a lot of plays and he was in in some pretty good positions on friday and then he gets one goal on Saturday, right? Yeah. Yes. No, he got two of them. He got two of the goals on Saturday, I think. Right? Yes, I believe you're... I think no, he... Yeah. Or do they get yep, the... you're right. Yeah. Because then uh, the right. in between them, right? Two assists on Friday. Two assists on Friday. Yep. Yeah. And uh, obviously was a solid player. Had a breakout. Yeah year last season so yeah. yeah he looked good and it really was the veteran players this weekend that performed well for the mavericks and that's going to be our season i think yeah you know, we are gonna quote unquote live or die by what happens with our senior class yeah as much as we were talking about the freshmen last week because it was the exhibition it was the first game action we got to see first game see him, yeah. this week you're looking at the veterans you know you're looking at uh tristan keck you're looking at steven spinner you're looking at Olson. zach jordan mm-hmm. yeah yeah, absolutely. So Friday we skated to a three-three tie. Uh, let's go and say, who did you notice the most Friday's game? I would say the Friday game. I probably noticed. Eh, it's hard to say, but I in the game, I would say probably Tristan Keck the most. I mean, I thought he looked okay. really good in that game. Um, and then I would say, you know, in addition to that, you know, I think Mason Morelli had a good game. I think both of those players played really well. Um, and I think as you, you know, went through that game, you know, the UNO gets up 2-0 on Friday night. Right. And you're thinking if they could just get one more at that point, maybe they roll, maybe they get into cruise control, but Union wasn't going to let that happened. Yeah, you know, they came back. They came pretty strong. I think they realized that, you know, for all they lost, 
last year offensively, they still, at least this weekend, had a pretty potent power play. Well, and that's one of the things Steven Spinner said in the press conference earlier in the week was that they know how to score goals. Right. And so he didn't seem to think that that would be a problem. I'll be honest with you, too. Um, you look at goaltending and Evan Wenninger on Friday night. I mean, he made some big saves in that oh, game. Yeah. 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 And I think the the standout player for me, I was really impressed with Polkinen. I know he doesn't end up on, I don't think he ends up on the score sheet at all. Does he? I'm looking through it. No. He's not. Yeah. Because we no, got golf from Spinner yeah. and Stewart. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, like, he doesn't show up on the score sheet, but I thought that he used his speed well. I thought he was in, in, in good position. Uh, I think he also played well on Saturday, but Friday night, I really thought, you know, he was playing pretty close to the top of, of his game. Exactly. You know, we've seen three games so far and Timu mm-hmm. has been an impact player so far this season, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up. That's always a question with any hockey player. You start the season well, but can you finish the season at the same note? Oh, you're absolutely right. But again, I think it comes back to the veteran players this season, you know, it, and that's what we knew going into the season, I think. Um, and that's the way it is in college hockey and sports in general. Generally, your upperclassmen are going to be the ones who set the tone and set the pace for the season. And so I, yeah, I think these guys, I mean, Friday night was probably the more entertaining game from a fan perspective. It's always tough to lose, which happened on Saturday, but yeah. You know, that that was that was tough because Friday could have been a win for this team. It really could have been. The second period was an awfully tough period for them. And obviously Saturday, second period was a Same. tough period yeah. too. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that jumped out to me, uh, I say negative other than I wasn't impressed with the breakout as you were. Uh that great transition that game. Great transition. I don't know about that. Uh <laughs> You know, the face-offs, you know, looking at the stats, we right. lost the face-off battle by, by all hockey standards. We lost a lot on the face-off circles. And I think that you look, a couple of the goals came after face-off wins. There were opportunities for us where we had uh, an offensive zone face-off and we couldn't get the win, couldn't transition from a, you know, a set play into a scoring chance. And I think that, I think that's something the team needs to work on, particularly from Friday night's game. I think that's something they can look at and say, if we were better in the faceoff dot, we probably would have had a better outcome Friday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you'd also talked one of the things that you were talking about during tonight's game as we watched it was the communication between the players on the ice. And that was something that the union coach mentioned after the Friday game was he said part of our problem in the defensive zone was the fact that you know, players weren't talking to each other and that led to some breakdowns and that mm-hmm. ultimately led to UNO's goals. Well, and I think you can say the same thing on the UNO side. Absolutely. I think that especially the tying goal I and mean, when you've got four guys in the box in front of Evan and all four of them are staring at the one guy with the puck. Like that's the reason why the guy sneaks in behind you. You know, if you don't see that puck coming across, if you don't make that play, it's going to end up in the back of your net. And that's what happened. And you know, to me, it seemed like there's a breakdown in communication. Someone needed to say, 
you know, where's the point, where's the slot? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk I know from, from playing hockey that goes on to let people know, like, this is my guy. That's your guy. Who's watching this area of the ice. If you're playing a zone or something. Uh, and it was clear on that tying goal. I think that that communication broke down and, and there wasn't that going on for the Mavs. So let's move on then, unless you got anything else from Friday's night's game. No, yeah, we've, we've alluded to Saturday a little bit, but yeah, let's yeah. move on to that game. So Saturday, unfortunately, a 5-4 loss. We score more goals, so I guess you could say that's a good thing, we right? We did score more goals. Now, obviously, we've only played two games, but you do worry about you know the fact that we gave up three on Friday. Right. Five on Saturday. You know, I, I mean, none of them are empty nets that you can just scratch off. No, they aren't. And so that was obviously the big concern last season was the fact that we, you know, gave up three or more goals per game. And that's a trend that they really want to. And it's not just one thing uh, that you point to on that, but that's one of the trends that they want to be able to turn around this season. So that was a, a difficult thing. Again, another entertaining game, but that second period was was awfully well, yeah, because Union gets one in the first, one in the third, and they score five goals. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, as my niece Lauren said, uh, Evan Wenninger touched the puck more than any other Mav <laughs> during the second period. She was being a little bit facetious, but it kind of illustrates how tough that period was for the team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Union puts up 30-plus goals both nights. You know, Evan had, he had a workout. Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. Um, And like I said earlier, he made some good saves uh, this weekend. It was just, it's kind of a tough series. So, you know, uh, Union College is unbeaten now. They started off the season with a victory against Army. They did. And they tied Friday and they won Saturday. So who knows how they'll do in the uh, ECAC. Yeah. And, you know, against it, I commend them because they, they brought in a team that they didn't have a great record against UNO and had their numbers the last few years that we played them, uh, especially last year with them coming to Omaha. Yeah, you know, I think the announcers had said 2007 was the last time they had beaten a UNO team. So, right. so yeah, you know, I think uh, going into it, you know, we didn't we didn't really talk about it in the last podcast, and you know, we'll talk about the next series coming up uh, later on in this podcast, but. I anticipated a UNO win on Friday and a Union win on Saturday. And I think that anytime you look at a situation like that, you know, Union getting the tie on Friday gave them a lot of morale boost that, you know what, we can hang with these guys. This isn't. Well, yeah, especially coming, you know, back from being down two to nothing. Right. You know, depending on the circumstances, that might have been, you know, game over, but. It wasn't in this instance. Uh, you know, we should probably also point out on tonight's game that Kevin Conley got his, was that his first goal as a Maverick? His first goal as a Maverick. Yeah. On the power play. Yep. Uh, you know, really good heads up play for him. You know, he noticed that the the defender had fallen down, that he had an opportunity to have a little bit more space in the zone and looked, he clearly had his head up looking for, for a pass and then just chose a shot and wise wise move for him so and i think he had a good he had a good weekend you know i talked about polkanen but you know conley's another one that i thought he had a lot of good plays uh on friday night uh, but you know he obviously was a lot more involved i think on saturday so 
hopefully that's a, a trend for him on the upwards that we'll see more from him later on this season. And he was the uh, kid who transferred from Denver, the right? DU, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, welcome uh, to Omaha. He'll, yeah, exactly. He'll be a good one for UNO this I season. know how you feel moving from 5,200 feet to... Uh, well, I don't even it? know what we are here I was in Omaha, say, not 5,200. Are you from the Denver area originally? I am, yeah. I grew up in the just north of Denver. So Okay, and you came to Omaha, was it 2003, uh, 2004? Yeah, December of 2004. Okay. So. Okay. So I've acclimated a bit. Yeah. I do understand I, now, yeah. you know, going back to Denver, everyone's home like, yeah, are you yeah able altitude to, does suck. Are you able to breathe now? Is that... <laughs> You don't lose well, your breath as much till, as you did out. <laughs> till the humidity kicks in and I'm like, Ugh. I yeah, miss the dry know, air. I think I had heard a stat and this may be wrong, but there are more sunny days in Denver, Colorado, like than any other city in North America. Is that another major city? Yeah. Yeah. It actually beats out like LA and stuff. It's crazy. I, if it weren't for the snow, it would be a really attractive place because I love uh, visiting uh, Denver. It's one of my favorite cities. So. Till we go and lose, and then it's like, why did I ever visit this city? <laughs> yeah, the the road trips to Denver are best when we uh, are playing a Denver team that's uh, having a down season for sure. Preferably ones wearing black and gold. <laughs> <laughs> so, one more thing I want to talk about the weekend. I think just to give props to the team. You, we talked a little bit about the power play, but Saturday, the power play was awesome again. Yeah. Uh, three for three for six or three for seven, three for seven. So yeah, going three for seven. That's, I mean, good teams will go one or two for seven. So to get that extra goal in there, you know, the power play was working. They were moving the puck pretty well. Uh, but then that goes back to my thing about the transition. game. You don't have to transition <laughs> on the power play. So. No, yeah, special teams play was good for them tonight. So, well, the penalty. Well, the, not the penalty. Yeah, not the way. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, on the offensive well, side, but of they did. Stuff. I mean, they went. Union went over four oh, on yeah. Friday. Yeah, like, we had their number on Friday. Absolutely. I don't know what happened on Saturday because then they go what three for five. Yeah, three yeah, for I, five. So. Yeah, I. I don't know, and the these, you know, completely dry announcers said they thought we looked <laughs> tired tonight. I don't know if that was the case or not uh, in that game, but that's... I I don't know what... You know, I hope Gabnet can figure out what it is that that's affecting the team in the second period because you look at the stats and we got outshot 16-6 to six in the second period on Saturday. That's crazy. And that's... A, uh, that's yeah, you don't want to be upside down like that. In not that much. No. I mean, I could, I could take a, you know, four or five shot swing and you'll probably still come out pretty Absolutely. well. But and, and it doesn't matter how good your goaltender is when you have numbers like that. It's yeah. going to be awfully, you're putting you know, a lot of pressure on him. Tripled up on shots in one period. Yeah. I mean, it's no wonder that they walk out with that many goals in that period. Oh, so. absolutely. So I don't know if it's just kind of an emotional letdown or, yeah, or if we're not making a, the, you know, intermission adjustments. I don't... You can't... Art, like. I mean, I, I heard the same thing you know, when the announcers talked about them being tired. And I'm just like, that's a cop out. Like, I thought it was on. too. I didn't, I didn't and get that sense either. Once you see the third period, you can't argue that because the team had legs in the third. They got a goal in the third. Right. They were controlling the puck. Uh, so I, I find it, I find it very difficult to say it's a conditioning thing or, or that they're tired or, you know. Yeah. It almost seems like it's a mental really, breakdown. Yeah. yeah. 
I yeah, I think it's just I mean it could be systems, it could be not that I'm saying it is, I'm sure all the comments will start blowing up about how much I hate Gabnin or something like that. But not necessarily that it is his fault, but it could be a coaching thing. It could be just, you know, the, what you say in the intermission, the adjustments that you're making are not the adjustments that you need to make or uh, what you're looking at as a coaching staff uh, that you need to modify from first period to second period. You know, you're just, you're looking at the wrong stat. You're looking at the wrong place. You're, you know, you're paying too much attention to maybe the wrong uh, area of the game or emphasizing the wrong area of the game. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a coaching thing, but I hope that. Yeah, I don't know if it, it's, it. you know, it's always hard to know uh, from year to year. And obviously we have a new assistant in Paul Gerard this year who uh, defense is supposed to be his thing. And the guys had experience in the NHL coaching a lot of really good players. Right. So I'm hopeful that these guys will be able to, you know, fixed because obviously, you know, with a, a team like Notre Dame coming in right uh, this coming weekend, you know, you don't want to have mental breakdowns like that. You don't want to have a period that's because it'll be worse than it was on Saturday. Yeah. Right. Where you're basically getting outshot three to one. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and I don't know. There's times I, I saw that 16 to six and went, we really had six shots on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to remember them all. Oh. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I can only was, think of like one or two. So uh, there was definitely a drop, and that's what we've talked about with this team: is when they're not scoring, you know, they're a team that can run into trouble. So, mm-hmm. but they didn't give up. Nope, they kept fighting, and they had opportunities in the yeah. third. They they had a few opportunities there to to tie the game. So about oh, exactly the, about it, the three minute mark, and so yeah, it, I mean. It does make you wonder, though, mm-hmm. are we going to see a UNO team this year that is dependent again on, you know, outscoring their opponents in essentially a gunfight for yeah. three periods, you know? Win every game 7-6. Ugh. Yeah, you remember that Miami game yep. last season. How many goals, <laughs> how many goals were there? Was like, it was like, I can't take a drink of my beer because we're scoring everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was fun to watch as fans, but yeah, that's, I you know... And obviously, that's the kind of hockey that this team has played for a while. So, uh, and uh, and you can't argue with the offensive production of this team. I mean, yeah. And the challenge becomes, you know, it, it's obvious that our defense cost us Friday. the The tying goal, the third goal, was completely, I think, completely on the guys that were on the ice. The the five of them, not just the the two defensemen, but to a man on that ice not communicating well and you could even argue a little bit on evan's part like evan to a certain degree needs to sense that and needs to know that there's someone coming down there and communicate to his defenseman like someone needs to take him someone needs to stick check someone needs to to pay attention uh and and get their heads off the boards uh and then i think i don't know from what i saw with union on saturday Union figured out that you could stretch the D and they found the seams and the lanes and our defense didn't do, they didn't do terrible. They just didn't do well enough. They didn't, those they didn't do what they needed to do. Right. You didn't, need yeah. to, you didn't, you didn't do what you need to do to win. No, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to is, is yeah. you had the opportunity. Like if you score, I always say, if you score four goals in a game, you know what? You should if win. You, absolutely. And that was that was what we talked about with the team last year. If that team 
doesn't give up an average of 3.72 goals per game last year. That's an NCAA tournament team. Right. Home ice in the first. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's a challenge again for Gabnet is how do you, how do you make sure that your defense is locked down and that, you know, you're keeping your shot totals on Evan down to something in the more manageable 25 sub 30 range without sacrificing the transition game, without sacrificing the outlet and without sacrificing offense. Right. Now this was the first series where we got to dress an extra player and we because went, of a new NCAA. Right. One of the new rules is they can dress one. Was, was it an extra defenseman tonight? It was, uh, it was an extra forward on Friday, Friday and a defender on okay. Saturday. And it clearly didn't help us any on Saturday. No, it didn't. <laughs> having the extra so. D-man didn't make a difference. Although I would argue the same thing about Friday. I don't think really having an extra forward made any difference on Friday. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of one of those new rules, you know. That it's, it's one I of those things. It's kind point. of a wash. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I get the... Oh, good. If there's a if there's an injury, if, yeah. I still got a guy, and you if, know what? It'll it will make if there's an injury or if somebody uh, had, you know gets ejected from the game, you know that's right. a deal. And in the past, UNO's had a few players that that were that you know maybe I'm naturally a wing, but I can play D, or I'm naturally D, but you know I've got enough skill set that that I can play forward and they've you know from game to game they might have been swapped around or something a little bit right but I think that now with this rule change if that extra player could just be a plug and play kind of kid where if a defender goes down to injury I can have him play D if a four goes down that's to injury right. I can put him in at a wing well that's the thing did we have that with uh was it Riley Alford last season Alford where last he, year was the yeah. one I remember yeah yeah one of those guys who can you know, essentially be a, uh, like a little utility or something like that. Right. So ultimately takeaways from the weekend. Are we, is the season screwed? Are we, you know, I don't obviously, obviously if we'd gotten the split, like we thought we were going to get, um, we would be feeling a little bit different right now. Because both of those games could have gone either way, and because we lost tonight, I think it's a it's it's hard to tell. It's kind of a mixed bag at this point. I'm uh, I'm skeptically hopeful. I think is is where I'm at. The team shows that they can still still score points despite uh, losing players that I think were responsible for 51 goals last season. So. That's a positive sign. Right. Um, but they're still giving up a lot of goals. Yeah. I think... I think if it was a different coach, I might be a little bit more pessimistic about it. But right. I think that Gabnet preaches a, a system and he you know, really talks about responsibility to the players. And so I think that at least from what I've seen, the things that I see as being wrong and the reason why we lost are things that can be fixed. Cause sometimes it's just, you're just outmatched and there's nothing you can do about it. And then there's times where it's like this, like you've got the, 
we had the talent to win both games. We had a talent to get the sweep. We just didn't do what we needed to do. And right. maybe this is the eye opening, you know, you get these kids that come in going, Oh yeah, we just ran track all over Manitoba. And it's like, right. Okay. Wake up call. Uh, these teams are real and they can play too. So you need to go back to the drawing board and take care of business. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have a lot of confidence in Gabinette that then obviously it's still, you know, the beginning of the season and it's always tough to go on the road. So, you know, I, I think, I think this weekend against Notre Dame, you're at home mm-hmm. against a really good team. I think that'll be, that'll kind of give us an indication of where we're going. Right. Especially in the, the, the near term, what the team is going to look like. So let's talk a little bit about the upcoming game here. I guess before that, we should talk about the new addition to the team before the game, right? The new helmets coming in. Yeah. Goalies, man. Yeah. The talent of John. Envious. Yeah. John Sperano. I've known him for several years now. Um, John Sperano has helmet head design, which is a business that designs. I think he does more than goalie helmets. He does. Other types of helmets too, right. but he's most known in our circles for the goalie helmets that he does. And he does some beautiful, beautiful artwork on those helmets. And certainly the Mavs have been the players that we've, uh, we here have gotten to see and, and enjoy the most. Uh, years ago, John on my map puck site, he would make, uh, schedule posters, well, schedule wallpaper artwork. Uh, for the fans that they could download from the Map Puck site, which were really cool. Um, he does a great job. And so Evan Winninger's new helmet, uh, as many of you know, uh, he has Winnie the Pooh on his helmet because right. uh, Winnie's his nickname. And uh, this year he's got Winnie the Pooh wearing Humboldt colors, and it says Humboldt Strong across the back. So that was yeah. very awesome. Yeah, and it's the, the Winnie the Pooh reference is a lot bigger this year than... It has been in the past. Oh yeah, it's it's the uh, the Winnie character is front and center. I mean, he is featured on that helmet. Or back and center. He's yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, back and center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He is a uh, he is it is definitely a bold statement this year. So, so I am looking forward to seeing those say in action on the ice uh, this weekend. But let's talk about our expectations and thoughts for the team that's going to be in front of our goaltenders. Um, I'll go out there and say that based on what I saw at Union, I think we get a tie and a loss out of that weekend. That's Okay, so you're saying the you're saying the results will be similar to this weekend? I think so. You could be right on that. It's tough. Uh, Notre Dame played in the Icebreaker tournament this weekend and they beat Mercyhurst and they beat Providence. That said, they did need overtime to beat Merc- uh, Mercyhurst, yeah. 7-6 in OT. Yeah, I, and yeah, I, even so though, it's uh it that'll be a that'll be an entertaining uh that'll be an entertaining series. We've done well against Big 10 teams the last few seasons. Right. I will be interested to see how we do this season. I will be uh, a little bit more optimistic. I'll go with a split. I'll go with a win Friday, a loss Saturday, a loss Saturday, 
Okay. Yeah, kind of the pattern, sort of the pattern that we saw in some games last season. There were a lot of Friday wins, Saturday losses last season. Yeah. So, well, and to be truthful, in all of college hockey, it's pretty difficult to string together weekend series wins. I mean, it's oh, absolutely. These teams are so talented and so close that you know little things make big differences, and that's why you see a lot of win Friday, lose Saturday, or win Saturday, lose Friday type of situations. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting. We're going up against the uh, runner-up in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, Jeff Jackson is a great coach. Yep. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, years ago he was at Lake Superior State, did a great job. That was when that program uh, was a kind of a dominant program for a few years in Pretty college huge. hockey. Yeah, he's a, a great, great kind yep. of grizzled old veteran. So it'll be really exciting to see. I uh, A couple of Frozen Four appearances, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done a good job with that Notre Dame program, and I'll, I'll be interested to see how the series goes. Um, I don't know a lot about Notre Dame this season, but they've... They're, I mean, they're like you and O. You, you've got quite a bit of senior leadership there. Uh, guys that have been through the hall before, especially yep. because of how successful they were last season. These are guys that that know what it's going to take to reproduce that result. Yeah. Uh, that said, we went we went there last year, and that was another stole. entertaining series. Like, um, yep, yeah, we played that. That was a series that was a back and forth um, series, scoring wise, there too, kind of like this Union series. So, and I kind of in establishing coming up with i don't know pulling out of midair uh my prediction for next weekend you know i kind of look at basically what would a game between notre dame and union look like and i think that notre dame has more skill notre dame has more size uh they definitely they're they're a bigger stronger stronger team. team The intangible is, is that we get Notre Dame here and we don't have to go there. We don't have to go on the road. Absolutely. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you could be very, very correct in your, I mean, we could get swept by Notre Dame this weekend. I mean, in that, Easily. Yeah. And, and then the question, and then, then what do you start to, and then you, that's the question, obviously it's early, but then do you start to say, is this a trend? Are we just going to struggle in the first half is it going to be and we don't know either will we have tyler weiss back this weekend which the guy appears to be a playmaker for the team certainly could have been a boost this weekend and not having him i think play friday saturday you absolutely know, it, he's a, it he's changes a, he's a, the dynamic yeah, he team, right? yeah. yeah he's a you know obviously he's a new player he hasn't played with these guys more than just a you know few periods of hockey right but he's the kind of player that you know, can be a spark plug that you can put in there and make something happen when you need something to happen. So right. that's kind of the intangible factor that we really didn't get to see in action this weekend in a two-game series. So it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, goes this upcoming weekend. Yeah. But it could be a it could be a tough it could be a tough series for us. Yeah. I think you look at the union series, you don't really come out of there saying we have to make major changes. We need to be smarter in some areas we need to shore up some things on on defense right and do some of the little things right Right. that are gonna yeah but get if we get swept by 
Notre Dame, I think you really have to start looking at something's not working. What needs to get actually fixed? Yeah. Not tweaked. Yeah. He's going to have to make some, he's going to have to make some line changes. He's going to have to make some lineup changes and there are some things that are going to have to happen. So you probably need to look at making some system changes. Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, depending on how we lose and in the results of the goals, you know, what, what leads up to them, uh, you know, you can argue a lot of different things and, and that's, it's hard to say what's to come. Who knows? We could win both games and then we, I, we could, yeah, we could look fantastic. About, I don't know. The transition game that I uh, thought looked okay <laughs> on Friday might look spectacular this weekend. Won't be straight ahead speed. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you have the Notre Dame series coming up, and and then uh, then they'll have to get ready to go to Arizona uh, State the following week, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's it's not going to be easy down the stretch here. So no, but it's college hockey. It shouldn't be easy. So no. the guys just need to to step up and know that you know. I think our senior leadership knows this. Look, if you if you want to be a team that's fighting for a top spot in the NCHC you've you've got to be better than everyone else we talked about this and you know looking at the pairwise and coming up with that you know one of the strengths of NCHC and the reasons why is the strong non-conference right the play well the record the results yeah right it's the it's the results so that's that's you look at you and you want to do well in our, that's typically what we've done the last several. We do well in October mm-hmm. and November playing those non-conference teams, right? And then we're then we're in a position at the end of the season, even if we're floating around five hundred at the end, we're in a position at least where we're winning those comparisons against other teams in college hockey. Then you know the question you ask yourself is if if we struggle in those games, what will happen? And right, you and I at this point don't know. And they don't know either, but yeah, but this could be one of those teams that struggles in the first half and then they're great in the second half, you know? Yeah. And the other thing is, is it changes the complexity of the entire league. I mean, you look at, you look at it, we've always had in the NCHC five, six teams that were serious contenders for spots in the final 16 to be a tournament team NCAA time, right? And so if you have Miami, if you have Cairo College, and then you add in there Omaha or North Dakota or any one of those teams just slipping for one year, you know, that second half of the season where we talked about you just being able to go 500 against NCHC teams and still being able to claim enough pairwise points. Exactly. That goes out the door. And we haven't, and that's the thing, we have not, seen that as fans of the in this conference i you know since the conference started no it goes back to uno when they were in the ccha years and years ago right you know that was a conference where a lot of seasons you only had two maybe three teams that were going to be good enough in the pairwise to get in the tournament and everybody else was just average it was great for a team like uno because you could rack up wins against some of those opponents and it, it created the perception that you may have been better than you were in this conference, it'll be really interesting if we have a down year. And I obviously, there's a, a, a lot of chapters left to be written this season, but it'll be very interesting to see how all of that plays out. In a lot of conferences in college hockey, you have top-tier teams in that conference, and then you have kind of the rest of the conference. Right. And they, But, you know, in the NCHC, it's kind of like you have the, the bottom-tier yeah. teams, and then you have everyone else who's yeah. all got a chance. 
any given year. And we talked about that in episode one where we were talking about the the rankings and stuff and what we thought for the NCHC. And we both said this, like, this is what we think, but a simple injury could be the difference between us being, you know, right about a team being in a third slot and finding them in the sixth slot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I... Western Michigan played Bowling Green this week and Western Michigan is a team a lot of people think, you know, can be at the top of the conference at the end right. of the season and they struggled against Bowling Green. And right. so, you know, normally you think that a WCHA type foe is somebody that you and or not you know, but uh, Western Michigan or any right. of the other NCHC teams would, you know, do well, dominate, but that did not happen. So, yeah. And then you just look at, is it a, is it a, one week thing is it just because they had an off night or early season right they're still kind of figuring things out every once in a while you get a team that hasn't had their exhibition yet so exactly that's kind of a weird situation because they've just jumped straight in so yeah yeah it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see as the next few weeks unfold and we'll we'll have a better picture when you know december rolls around how uh this team is going to do right well, in that November time frame, late November time frame, when we start getting actual pairwise rankings and we can start running numbers and stuff, you start getting a much clearer picture about oh yeah, what absolutely. do you need to do moving through the rest of the season so that you can be in a place to well, and you'll be able we'll, be, we'll really be able to start to analyze the team statistically too, right, right. and look at some of those trends uh, that really yeah. are kind of indicators for performance. So it's you never know, you know, some of the, especially especially with freshmen. And the younger players, these are, you know, they may have a great series. They may be, you know, four goals on a weekend type of, of thing. And then the next weekend, they're out of position. They're getting pushed around. They're just not good. And, and it's it's this week-to-week type of thing, whereas, you know, with your seniors, you expect your seniors well, yeah. to perform consistently week in, week out. Well, and the other intangible thing to keep in mind... As we, you know, look at the team going forward is, you know, I think, I guess where I kind of come down on this is, you know, the last vestiges of that Frozen Four team are not on the roster anymore. So, Mm. you know, these guys haven't had a lot of success. So, you know, either they're chomping at the bit to have success or, you know, it's one of those things where they just haven't known a lot of success and, you know... Yeah, and for the seniors, you want to go out on a high point. Like this is it. This is this is your chance. Right. Like, you can't have mental breakdowns and mental mistakes if you want to leave college saying I was on a team that made the Frozen Four, or you know played in a national championship game or won a national championship. That doesn't happen if you are not consistent night in, night out. No, and it's really you know the impetus has to be on a senior laden team for those seniors to kind of carry the team on their shoulders and set right. the tone. You know. So we'll see how our seniors do. We've got a few of them, so certainly no shortage of senior leadership on this UNO team. So they need to step up and make sure that everyone else on the team knows this is what we need to do to beat a team like Notre Dame next weekend when they come to town. Absolutely. And certainly I think it would help a ton. We talked a little bit last in uh, episode two, the last episode about the atmosphere at Baxter and that stuff. So anyone listening to this, if you've got nothing else to do Friday and or Saturday, yeah, it should definitely be a, come down. Yeah. It should be a great series against Notre Dame. Uh, 
great marquee opponent come out support the team yeah there's not a lot of football action uh, around uh, these parts to be excited about this year so uh certainly come out and uh support the mavericks yeah why would you want to watch anything else right yeah (laughs) anything else you think we need to talk about before uh we sign off this week no, I think we'll uh, we'll leave it at this. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Notre Dame series. Uh, we'll be back here to talk about uh, the series, whatever happens, what you know, come what may, with the Mavs this weekend. Right. We will be here to give our two cents. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, you guys all have fun, and we will talk to you next week after UNO plays Notre Dame. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.